Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Neil and Sincenas Park of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have with us today 2020 US Open semifinalist and 2021 Australian Open finalist Jen Brady with us tonight. Jen is currently recovering from a foot injury. She was kind enough to spend some time with us tonight and we are thrilled to have her on. Please welcome to the pod, Jen Brady. Jen, thank you so much for spending time tonight and talking uh, some tennis. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, so, really an honor to be here. I mean, so what's the deal? I see you on the practice courts at Cincy. I believe you were hitting with Katie McNally's brother, John McNally, absolutely ripping the ball. I was talking to Kevin O'Neill, who is Katie's coach and helps John as well. Absolutely ripping the ball. You go play your first round. I believe you win your first round match, and then you had to, you started your second round match, and you had to default in the middle of that. Um, we know we've been out for a while. What happened? Yeah, you know, um, so actually I won my first round match there in Cincy um, and then was uh, playing my second round match against Ostapenko. And then um, so I've been struggling with a foot injury since um, the middle of the summer. So in uh, Roland Garros, I was uh, playing my third round match and had to retire because of it. But um, yeah, so I was playing my match in Cincinnati, second round match uh, was the end of the second set. And I just remember I was running up for an approach or a short ball and all of a sudden just felt like a pop, uh, sort of like felt like an explosion kind of thing, like in my heel. Um, and then immediately I was like, oh, you know, like that hurt a lot. So um, I ended up calling out the trainer. Uh, she tried some treatment. Um, I mean, I was just in so much pain. I was like, I don't know if I can continue. And um, I just remember I like put my sock back on, put my shoe on, got up after the medical timeout um and then went on the other side of the net and um Ostapenko was serving and I tried to return the ball and I I think I played maybe two or three points and I was just like yeah I can't I can't do this I can barely put any weight on my on my left leg and then um you know I was just in so much pain I I immediately retired retired um so yeah I'm still recovering now uh in that moment I didn't you know, I didn't get an MRI on the foot, which I should have. So, um, you know, maybe the recovery is just pushed back a little bit, being pushed back a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm doing physical therapy now in uh, in Los Angeles at Elite Ortho Sport, and I'm hoping to get back out there soon. Is there a time frame of when you when you're hoping to get back out there? We're recording just by way of timestamp. We're recording this during the Australian Open. Yeah, um, not. Not exactly. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, but you know, each, each day is a process. I've, I've never really been injured before. So this is something that's very new to me. I'm not very patient either. So, um, yeah, you kind of just have to take it day by day. There's going to be, you know, ups and downs. Um, some days are better than others, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just would rather, even if it takes a few extra weeks just to get out there to be a hundred percent rather than try to push it too soon and something, you know, become chronic or lingering and come back again and then ruin the rest of my season. So I'm um, definitely trying to be cautious and uh, doing everything I can to, to get back out there soon. We how, hard, to- how hard is it to miss a major where you did so well? It was such a fantastic run that you had a year ago to the final and yeah, obviously Naomi played a great match to beat you, but that was your first major final coming on the heels of the semifinals of U.S. Open previous year. So how hard is it here now to not be in Melbourne? 
Yeah, it's so hard. Uh, the other day, my friend and I, we, we turned on the Australian Open. Um, we turned on, we tuned in on the ESPN app um, and it, it was almost like, so it's, it stopped working and we we're like, all right, you know, it wasn't meant to be, but I have a, I have a ton of friends on court, um, you know, out there playing, you know, I'm supporting from home. Definitely. You know, I had received so much, um, so much love, so much support from my run to the finals and also uh, from the semifinals at uh, U S open. So, um, you know, I wish nothing but the best for, especially all the Americans, um, you know, I have so many friends and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's never easy. I think, you know, any competitor watching, you know, other people playing, playing the sport that they, you know, want to be playing and, um, doing and competing. I definitely miss competing. I miss playing in front of fans. Um, you know, just the atmosphere, the adrenaline rush, all of it, uh, you know, it brings back good memories and, um, it's, it's, it's not easy, but I'm not, uh, you know, there, there's, there's worse things. And, um, you know, I, I, um, hope to be back out there soon crushing it. And, uh, I hope one of, one of my, one of my good friends, they know who they are. I hope one of them comes back with a trophy. All right. No more injury talk on to better stuff. So thanks for yeah. catching us up to speed. Jen. Yeah. Um, I want to go back a few years and to 2017 and shame on me. I know Steve remembers it, but shame on me for forgetting your run in Australia. Um, you know, everyone remembers the U S open in 2017. I think it was the first time in history um, that all four U.S. women made it in the semi. Steve will correct me if I'm wrong on that. You had Venus um, Sloan, you had Coco Vandeweghe, and then Maddie. Um, but now that I remember, you had a great run, too. You made it to the fourth mm. round. I think it was five U.S. girls in the round of 16. I think it was the four semis plus you. With your run in Australia, which you also got to the fourth round at the beginning of the year, was 2017 the first time in your career where you based where you really thought to yourself, you know what? I can do this and I, I can, I can really have a pretty good career, not just maybe struggle and kind of be a journey, journey woman on tour here. This is something that I can have some success doing. Yeah. Um, yes. And no, yes. Uh, you know, making, uh, making the first uh, grand slam fourth round, I think it was actually my first uh, grand slam main draw win first time qualifying at a grand slam at the Australian open in 2017. So it was a lot of firsts for me, you know, coming through the qualifying, winning my first round match, and then ended up uh, making the fourth round. So that was, that was a lot at once. And, um, you know, I'd never been in the spotlight. I, I mean, I'm not saying I was in the spotlight, but I'd never done any media stuff, never done anything like that. And it was just all at once. And it was very, very draining for me. Um, I have definitely grown out of my shell since then. Um, I used to be very, very introverted. And uh, like, I remember going into my fourth round match and I was just like, I am so tired. Like I am so tired physically and mentally. It's just like a lot. It's a lot going on. Like all I wanted to do was just play tennis and um, just there's like extra things outside that I have to do that I wasn't really prepared for. I didn't know like that was a part of it. So, um, but yeah. And then, you know, a few months later uh, in New York city, making the round of 16 there, um, that was a little bit solidifying for me. Um, but no, because, you know, the in-between um, I just felt like I probably wasn't in like the best shape of my life, which I think everybody knows that I know that, um, and after Australian Open playing, I don't know, three qualifying matches and then fourth round. So, you know, seven matches, it was a lot on my body at once. Um, I had never done that. And I just remember, I think I had to take like 
a couple months just to recover from that um, physically and mentally. And then I just didn't really have the results. Um, I think my expectations went up. I wasn't really prepared to, you know, back that or to uh, repeat that success. And um, the in-between, you know, Australian Open and US Open um, was, it was okay. But, uh, and then the following year, I just, I felt like I had this pressure that I'd never had before. And it was also new to me, but I think everybody kind of goes through that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, just to, to see what I did the last couple of years, I think, you know, I, I know where I belong. We're going to get there in a minute, but going back to New York in 2017 and Steve's been to a bazillion us opens. We all know the energy that's there when you, I mean, when you knew that, you know, Venus, Sloan, Coco, Maddie, they were all doing great. Were you aware of the energy that was happening? And were you guys all trying to rally around each other and say, let's go, let's go, let's go. Cause I mean, you know, the energy, it can get rocking and rolling when you get a bunch of us men and women playing well in New York. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, I, I remember myself, I remember playing, I think it was my third round match against Mon- Monica Nicolescu on court 17, which is my personal favorite court there at the U S open. And the, it was a full, full crowd. And, um, I was absolutely loving it. Like that will probably be one of my favorite memories from the U S open, just playing in front of that atmosphere um, everybody's cheering for you. And it, it's something that I, that I truly, I just miss doing. You that. can't get tired miss. in that atmosphere. You just, can't. no, you <laughs> can't, you can't. I remember in the third set tie break, my shoelace broke and I literally just went into my bag and grabbed a shoe. Like I had a pair of brand new shoes because my mom was like, you break your shoelaces so much. You should carry a pair of shoes. And she was there. So like I had to have the pair of shoes cause she threw them in my bag. And, uh, I remember I was like, Oh, I have a new pair of shoes. So I remember like in the middle of the third set tie break in my third round match at the U S open, I literally went to my bag, took off the shoe and put on a brand new shoe and thought nothing of it. And to this day, I probably, I probably wouldn't do that. But, um, you know, back then I was just like, "Eh, I don't, I don't really know. And, um, yeah, just the atmosphere, you can't beat it. Yeah. I will follow up and I'll say you talked a little bit about it after just how like, you know, you played all those matches, took a while to heal on your body, both physically and mentally. Um, you left Florida and went to Germany to work with um, your former coach, Michael Gasser, right? In the fall of 2019, I believe. And we all saw the success and we're going to get to that in a minute. But what, what do you think it was about you and Michael that maybe clicked so much? Because I mean, your results after when you first started working with him were sensational yeah um that was this is definitely not the first time i've been asked this question um you know i've heard heard uh it was a very common question over the last few years but yeah you know i think um a mutual friend or coach reached out to him on my behalf and then uh, we ended up getting connected we actually never met before never seen him never talked to him um he flew out to uh, Beijing, the tournament, uh, the, the WTA event. And um, I was coming from Wuhan. So we met in Beijing. I just remember that, um, you know, he was, we just met like in the lobby at the hotel. We had practiced that day. We practiced and then we kind of just like went and I played the tournament 
two days later. So like I literally met him like two days before my first round match in Beijing. I ended up doing pretty well there. And I'm, I'm sure I, I think I qualified. And then um, I remember losing to Bianca, maybe like, I, honestly, I don't really know, maybe quarters or, or something like that. But, um, and then, uh, you know, we were like, okay, yeah. Like we, I was like, yeah, I would like to continue working with you. And he was like, okay, yeah, for sure. Like come to Germany. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, why not? You know, I've, I'm like, mm, like, what else am I going to do? And so I went to Germany, trained there. Um, I had a physio slash trainer, uh, Daniel, which I'm still working with, um, which he still lives in Germany. So once I get back out there, he'll start traveling with me again. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Michael, I think Germans in general, they're just, I don't know if you know many of them, but they're very structured, very structured individuals. They have a lot of discipline. They are very like one, one-minded, very one-way individuals, which is not a bad thing. Um, that's definitely something that I needed. I'm, you know, a bit, uh, goofy, you know, enjoy having a good time, whatever. But, uh, you know, the way that Michael coached and, um, his philosophy, it definitely benefited me because it was, it was strictly business. It was all business. Um, it, it was fun too. Um, but it, it definitely, he applied structure and, um, discipline to my life, just outside of tennis on the tennis court. Um, and yeah, it, it honestly, it, it happened so quick. And, um, I think it was probably one of the best things I ever did do. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously we're not working together anymore. Um, nothing, nothing bad happened or anything. I just felt like it was time for me to kind of move on. Um, I felt like he, you know, kind of spent everything that he had, everything that he had, uh, you know, I didn't feel like, you know, there's much more I could learn maybe. Um, but you never know. Uh, I mean, we ended on good terms. I never like to burn any bridges because especially with coaches, you know, you see each other all the time. Uh, we actually ended up seeing each other in Cincinnati and it was totally normal. You know, we, we were just having normal conversation. Um, you know, I'm going to see him every single week. I know that. So I don't want it to be awkward. I don't want to be the person that's like, Oh, he's over there. Let me go that way. You know, I'm like, no, nah, that's not me. I'm like, no, but Got yeah, it. I think, a lot of credit to, to Michael and, uh, and what he, he helped me accomplish, but also a lot of credit to my trainer, Daniel, who, um, who I'm still working with. Oh, that's awesome. I want to go to 2020, uh, the, the 2020 U S open, because we talked about the pack crowds in 2017 U S open 2020 U S open was a totally different animal where there was no crowds. Um, that did not stop you from playing some unbelievable tennis. And I know I'm going to ask Steve his thoughts. Um, I don't know if you had the chance to rewatch not only your match with Naomi, but the second match between Serena and Victoria Azarenka. That night of tennis was unbelievable. And I'll leave it to Steve. I'll ask Steve. I mean, those back-to-back matches Friday night were unbelievable. Yeah, a couple of blockbuster semis. And obviously, Jen, you, uh, just to, I, I don't know whether you did see that second. So a nice comeback from uh, from Bika to beat Serena in three. But in your match, it's pretty, has to be 
pretty rewarding and at the same time frustrating to play three sets, lose your serve one time in the third set, lose a tiebreaker in the first, win the second, one break in the third. On the other hand, you must have been immensely proud to play at that level for three sets. So what I want to know is, David just alluded to no crowds. You two played that match in, in such an inspired manner. It was the kind of match you would have expected if you didn't know that there were no spectators there and you just watched the tape that the fans would have been on their feet, spurring you both on. You didn't have that to carry you, and yet you played one of your finest matches. To talk about how you managed to do that. Yeah, um, that U.S. Open semifinal match against Naomi was probably the best match either one of us have played. Um, I think just from the beginning all the way until the end. Um, I think the first set I had a pretty bad tiebreaker, which is – bit disappointing but um yeah it, it is a shame that there were no fans in there um I mean it was just such high level every single point uh you couldn't tell and, from it watching on tv Jen it was unbelievable yeah the, the level it, of tennis that night was ridiculous it was it was uh yeah it I think it won uh match of women's match of the year or something in 2020 um but anyways it was a high level match. Uh, unfortunately, no fans. Um, but I think, you know, in the future, we're going to have many more matches like that for fans to witness live. I, I truly hope so. But well, you had one remember... a couple months later. You had one a couple yeah. months later in the yeah. next year in Australia. But, but to finish your point, you, you how did how was it that, that where where did, where did the inspiration? Obviously, it's the U.S. Open semis. So you have yeah. the, the motivation. On the other hand very rare to have the no fans and and yet as you just said maybe the match of the year one of the best best match either one of you has ever played so i i just wonder at, at a certain point did you just adjust you've been the, had had to deal with no fans the whole tournament but this was such a big occasion uh, that that i i i found it all the more remarkable that that the two of you managed to to pull that off yeah um it, it because it was just so many weeks where there were no fans like starting out in Lexington, Kentucky with no fans and then going into New York, playing the Cincinnati tournament at us open with no fans. And then coming into the second week of the us open with no fans, it was like, okay, this is normal. I mean, I was dialed in, absolutely dialed in. It was just me and that tennis ball. And that was it. It was no distractions. Maybe that also helped. Um, you know, I, I, I always look back on my match and think, you know, in that moment, would it have been, would I have played that well um, if there were fans or would I have wanted to, you know, do something more that is, you know, that wasn't very necessary. Uh, and then maybe it wouldn't have been such a high quality match. We never know, but um, yeah. Was it weird though moment, hearing like, uh, was it weird hearing like uh, when you play a great point, your co your, your box of four or five people, you know, cheer, if Naomi plays a great point, you hear her four or five people. So you're like, how weird is that? I mean, you've been playing in front of big crowds for quite a while now. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. It was, it was different. Um, all honestly, all I could hear was the rain. It was, the roof was closed. It was absolutely downpouring. Um, and all I could hear was like the, the rain hitting the, hitting the roof. And I was like, geez, it is absolutely pouring out there <laughs> during my match. I mean, well, but, um, yeah, it it was definitely one of the best matches. It was awesome sure. to watch. It was awesome to yeah. watch. In 2021, well, or go ahead, Steve. Uh, sorry, David. 
tell let's go from there to the australian though i mean what what, what was the difference it's not that you played a bad final by any means uh, what did naomi take it up another notch what how would you compare the two and why did we have straight sets versus three? Uh, how, how do you assess that final? You had a break um, point early, I think, Jen. Early yeah, I set. did. I did. And um, honestly, I kind of went into the match not really ready to to become a Grand Slam champion. I was like, oh, this is like big. This is a lot. This is, you know, my head wasn't really where it should have been. And, you know, that's something that um, you know, it's, it's just an experience, you know, she's been there many times and, um, she, you know, kind of has the experience. I feel like at that level, it's, it's, it's all experience. You know, everybody has a game. It's just, have you been in that situation before? What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Do you think you can win? Are you able to win? Blah, 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 all that, et cetera. Um, but I don't think either of us really played that well. Um, I definitely didn't play my best, which is fine. You, you know, you can still win matches not playing your best, but I don't think she played well either. She definitely didn't serve as well as she did in, um, in New York. Um, I was seeing a lot of second serves. I actually had a lot more opportunities, I would say, in that match, but I just deep down, I didn't really have the right mindset, um, didn't have the belief going into it. So I probably wasn't able to capitalize on it because of that. Um, but I mean, all credit to her. She obviously, you know, is a Grand Slam champion. She played great. Um, she had a great tournament. But, yeah, I just don't think, um, you know, either of us really played anywhere near as well um, as we did in, in that that's, U.S. Open. That's going to be tough match. to match. <laughs> but did, yeah. And did you sense going out there, was it something you started to feel early in the match or was it leading up to the match that you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I'm ready to win a major yet when did it sink in like before a little bit before the match um you know day before fine day of okay like warm up fine you know and then I was like warming up and getting ready for the match before I was stepping on and I was like oh crap <laughs> yeah and I was like I'm playing for like that thing over there that trophy i was like oh jen that tournament itself was so bizarre too because you were playing in front of fans then they took the fans away i think it was during novak versus taylor fritz right so like in yeah. the middle of the tournament there were no fans and then luck you know there were fans for your final which was good yeah yeah it was weird um but when they took away the fans i was like yeah this is where i thrive because <laughs> i think i because i think i did like, I mean, I won my first um, title with no fans. I made semifinals of Grand Slam with no fans. So I was like, oh, this is nothing for me. I was like, I don't need people out there. I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I'm in the zone. It's no distractions. And um, I think fans came back for the quarterfinal match. Quarters, I think. Uh, I want right. to say quarters. Um, yeah. For sure, semis. Because yeah. I remember playing my semifinal match. And um, I had, like, many match points and closing it out I was like okay just just make first serve and I could not buy a first serve to save my life and I was so nervous um but yeah it, it was it was definitely a very interesting experience to say the least awesome awesome so I want to take it back now to your college years and when I started this podcast a while back we had a lot of college coaches um on this pod and Steve you know, Steve's latest book, well, it's not so brand new anymore. It's been out for a little while, but it's such a great book. 
It's called Pete Sampras Greatness Revisited. You have a relationship with the Sampras family a little bit in that your coach was Pete's sister, Stella, right? Yes. Talk about, um, uh, you played, I believe, two years, right? Talk about some of your experiences at UCLA. And just for the listeners, I mean, you had a great, you had a great couple of years, your freshman year. Your team won the NCAAs. You were Pac-12 freshman, new and freshman and newcomer of the year. First team all Pac-12, earned All-America. I could keep going on and on. You had a good yeah. experience. Um, talk a little bit about that. And then I know Steve has a couple of questions as well. Um, playing yeah. four-star. Yeah, coming into school, um, playing at UCLA, it was just going to school in California was an absolute dream of mine. Um, you know, I love the state of California. I loved L.A., uh, I remember walking on UCLA campus and was like, I'm coming here. This is where I want to go. Um, and I would do it all over again. You know, I had great coaches there. Stella Sampras, Rance Brown, Laura Gordon was there. She helped me a ton uh, while I was at UCLA. Laura, um, you know, she was definitely the rock, uh, the glue to hold our team together. She she doesn't get enough credit for that. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, coming in, uh, winning the Natty uh, freshman year, hands down probably one of the best experiences of my life today uh you know I've been in the finals of a grand slam been in the semis whatever but winning a national team title with with some of my really close friends and um the team that we had was was something I'll never forget uh you know some of my best friends one of my best friends you know I I still you know I'm actually here in LA staying at her place so um you know team you can't beat uh having a team that's for sure so Definitely. We'll never forget that experience. Um, unfortunately, coming into my sophomore year, um, we lost to the finals of uh, NCAA, so we couldn't go back to back. But, you know, it was still it was still a good two years for me at UCLA. Um, something I something I'll, I'll always remember, never forget. Um, but to, to all the all the college players listening out there, it doesn't matter what number you play. Uh, let me tell you, because. Um, I'm ranked top 20 in the world and I played number three at UCLA. So it That's really crazy. doesn't matter what number you play in the lineup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Steve, I know you wanted to throw in a couple of things. Sure, no, so Jen with Stellis, Pete Sampras is known for his dignity and sort of low key manner and leading by example and not being a man who just tries to talk your ears off. And uh, when he says something, you listen because he means it. Uh, it was Stella. Did Stella have the same, kind of demeanor uh I, I, most of us don't really know her i'm just wondering what she was like as a coach her approach yeah definitely um still is very quiet uh but she when she speaks you respect her she doesn't have a whole lot to say but um you know the things that come out of, out of her mouth she 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 doesn't bullshit you she's not gonna you know can't uh sugarcoat anything she's gonna tell you how it is and um, i respect her for that uh, immensely um she was a great coach during my time there at UCLA. Um, I actually was able to go visit them uh, while I was out here in LA and, um, you know, I'm following the team closely. She texts me every now and then, which is really nice. She's supporting me, following me. Um, yeah, she, she was a, a great uh, head coach while I, was, while I was there at UCLA. And during those years, did Pete ever come out and, and speak to the team or did you have any interaction with him through Stella? Um, he came a couple times. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. Um, I know, I know a couple of girls on the team, they were able to hit with him. Um, I was going to try to hit with him once or twice, but it ended up not working out. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty cool, you know, um, that 
you know, Stella Pete Sanders's uh, sister, you know, her going through watching him. Um, and also she had a great college career. And, um, you know, like I said before, I, I, res- I really do respect Stella and uh, appreciate everything she did for me. Last question on, on college, uh, UCLA type of stuff. You know, Marcos just, Marcos Giron just played uh, Rafa. Did you give him a yeah. call beforehand? Do you give Marcos a call yeah. at all? Just give him a, you know, <laughs> maybe try to go to the backhand a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. Um, I, I was trying to watch. Uh, I, I couldn't watch, but um, I was following the scores. Uh, but Marcos is, is like probably one of the nicest guys. I was, um, I I was there at UCLA at the same time as him. And um, he, I didn't really get to know him that well while we were both at school, but we were both on the Olympic team this year or last year in um, July. And he is like, so nice. Um, It was, it was really fun, like getting to know him a lot more. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw the, he played pretty well. And I don't know if you saw the point, but in the next time you speak to him, ask him about the cross court, the, the backhand cross court passing shot. Oh, I just watched that today on Twitter. Yeah, I know. Rafa even congratulated him. him, I taught him that one. (laughs) I've been throwing a quick quick story about Marcos, uh, Jen. You know, I've been writing about this game for almost 50 years now. And and what I've found is that players, I've had some great experiences with with interviews and stories I've written, and David would understand this. But then the, the, the pattern is not for players to contact the writer afterwards and say anything one way or another. You know, you've done your interview, you've done your story, you move on. But Marcos, I did a piece on him a couple of years ago for tennis.com. And the second it came out, uh, I, I mean, within minutes, I had a, a text thanking me for the story, you know, and, and uh, that that's very unusual in this business. And and I've talked to others like Greg Sharko at the ATP would tell me, I mean, that's just very typical of him. Really good yeah. guy. That doesn't even surprise me. He is, he's the best. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, you know, we, we want to, uh, I, I know you're busy and I know you got the rehab and all that other stuff to get you back on the court soon. Just in, just to end, uh, you know, I'll end it with this note. I mean, you've been fortunate to compete at the biggest stage, right? I mean, the final of a slam. Um, I'm not going to say if you get back there again, I'm going to say when you get back there again, um, there are a couple things that, you know, you've kind of referred to a little bit. Maybe you'll prepare a little bit differently mentally for that. But um, the next time you're on that stage, um, what, what's the what's what's the smallest you know thing that you may need to adjust to get over the finish line there? Um, honestly, I would just say being consistent. Um, first of all, just staying healthy. I think, you know, it's it's something I never really thought about because I was never really injured or impacted, um, you know, throughout my career playing tennis, you know, even as a junior, just, um, so if you're not healthy, you can't play. So just doing all the little things, right. Staying healthy. Um, you know, I, I know I have the game to compete with the best. Um, it's more about just being consistent week in week out. Um, you know, every day putting in that little bit of extra work, uh, just trying to make myself a better player. Um, you know, I believe I can hold up some of the biggest trophies over the course of, of you know, my playing career. And um, if I don't believe it, then then why would I, you know, do all the stuff that I do in the gym, on court? And, and uh, why would I walk out there on the stadium? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just having the right mentality, uh, believing in myself and, um, you know, backing myself, I think is the biggest thing. You know, you, you have to back yourself at, at the, the biggest moments and, you um, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that in the many more years on the court. Well, get healthy, get healthy. We yeah. want to see you back. Tennis is better with you in it. Definitely. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Steve, anything else before we let her go? No, I mean, like, just what, what would you say at this point and how close are you with the foot? I mean, we're, we're, to being a hundred percent physically. Oh, um, honestly, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it's just a matter of time. It's, it's not, not going to be long, but, um, Definitely not tomorrow. <laughs> well, well get better luck. soon. Yeah, get okay. better yes. soon, Jen. We want to see you back on the board. Thanks so much. For Thank you. Board. Thank you.